So this is Make Play, episode five. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Nick is out this week. He is in Disney World, which was surprising to me because I saw him literally yesterday and he did not tell me he was going to be in the magical world of Disney. Uh, <laughs> so this week, instead, we have my good friend, uh, Kazrik Kabad. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Kaz. Um, follow me on Twitter, at the Static Man. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We also have a lovely cat here that's playing with us, so if you hear any scratches, that's Sitting a, in a box. It's an adorable little cat in a box, so you can't, <laughs> you can't really be mad at that, to be honest. So, um, it's definitely the cutest thing here. So Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. Kessa, what have you been making? So I'm working on this game called Stereophyta. It's a musical, um, I guess, exploration game. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what words to use to describe it, because I guess... It's not really an adventure game yet, although I would like it to be one. Um, but it's basically a, an orthographic view. You're looking down at a character running around this sort of musical world where there's plants that make music and people that kind of farm those plants and other sort of environmental factors that kind of either create or cause music. Um, the world's kind of split up into these like three sections, basically, in that there's things that produce rhythm, mm -hmm. things that produce sound, and then there's non-player characters which interact like, with those and things. And like right? farming those... Yeah, either farming them or playing the instruments that are you know, shown as plants or right. shown as rocks or whatever. Um, and then the world itself is divided up into these four sort of different areas where the music is actually very divided then into sort of the families of instruments. So there's like strings, um, percussion pianos and um that's it right now there's going to be um horns as well and i guess eventually there will be some just electronic music embodied by like these computer people at some point right um, yeah all the all the music in this episode is actually from stereo Fida, uh so you can enjoy that just uh take a take a quick listen So how did you start working on this? Like, what was sort of the, where did this start from, I guess? So, I mean, I've actually been working on it since the beginning of last semester, which was like September, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, that was in Team Studio, which was like a kind of a chaotic class where we just like got into groups and started making a game for the whole semester. There's right. a lot more stages than there is what the class we're in now, which is the capstone class. But um I felt like the structure helped a lot because we started out with prototypes and like um, our, our original like creative challenge was basically can we make a game in which players can create music organic and organically find an attachment with that music right? right without like explicitly foregrounding how everything works and like allow them to kind of explore those systems organically themselves too yeah and I, I guess the sort of main thing that I w each person in the group had sort of a different thing they wanted from it um, I, I hadn't gone in to explicitly make a music game. I, I think I was more interested in plants at the time for some reason. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know what I got a gardening phase. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what I was interested. I think I was thinking about actually making this game that was totally separate, which was going to be about actually like a, almost more of like an adaptation of this book called the magic mountain, which was mm. like about this guy who like goes to a tuberculosis clinic Oh wow! and they just like, talk about the disease and end up going on tangents into each other's memories. Huh. But I wanted to make a game where you were kind of like a doctor treating these patients in this like Freudian way or something. Oh, okay. Like psychoanalyzing patients and writing it in your journal and all that stuff. Right. And the game was really going to be about time, right? About like how the passage of time and like the deterioration of these people would have like led to something um, meaningful, I guess, in the end. Um, and that turned into yeah, plans. and somehow that turned into this. I think I, I went into the class wanting to do something like that and found a group of people that I could tell would have been fun to make a game with. Right. And basically just kind of dropped the preconceptions I had mm -hmm. and let it happen. Um, and so at first we were really thinking about making a game that was more about animals as instruments where you would wander around this like open environment, you could pick up animals and like use different keys to play them as an instrument. Mm -hmm. um, we actually kind of scrapped that because we realized like um 
making an instrument that's playable is like way harder than right sort of like making music that sounds good because yeah. we had someone on the team who could do that and that like generally sounded way better than letting a person like fiddle around do with their a own. kind of shitty yeah. like four four note instrument yeah um oh i think i vaguely actually remember that yeah that i think you, you did test it yeah, yeah. there was like a it, just yeah. four keys you could kind of record what you were pr- pressing right and then you would like listen to the three three different animals which are just like spears and yeah because <laughs> um, this is all this has all been developed in unity yeah yeah, yeah. So we started with like these Unity prototypes, and we we moved on from there to try to do something where we were like exploring how you could move around this world. And we had this, I had sort of like procedurally generated this map with different little regions on it. So there was mm-hmm. like trees, rocks, and like other stuff. And I put a different song at the center of each region, and just kind of let the player like slide around through those areas. Right. But you could also record it, right? So. We were trying to test, like, what is it that would be interesting then about moving through these different atmospheres and kind of beginning to remember um, what each place sounded like, right? Yeah, and so it's sort of um, like creating a mental map of sound, basically. Yeah, without really there being anything to do there. Yeah. There's no goal yet. Um, and that we found that both of those are pretty productive, but we did want more structure. So we kept kind of, and our, our, our professor Diego Garcia was at the time still really moving us towards that, and I think... At the time, there was more of this want for like a game structure than right. there is now. But I mean, anyway, we, we kind of kept playing around with stuff. I think the next prototypes we did were more like, well, here is an actual um, instrument. And also we prototyped this system of like, we were like thinking about doing a farming system where then we would have sounds that were created by the, the plants mm-hmm. as well as these level animals where you could played them alongside these kind of melodies that were consistent from the plants, right? right? So we were thinking like, well, maybe we we can't use these animals as like the main part of the game, but having that and the plants straight into agriculture yeah, would actually work. And right. so, um, me being like a kind of weird kind of programmer, I just get, I guess I just went in and like built this whole farming system from mm-hmm. like the ground up really fast like probably too fast and i did too much detail <laughs> i feel like um, like developing a farming system is like one of those things that like a lot of game developers just like do yeah i, I just know. wanted to do it i've known like at least like half a dozen people who've like at least dabbled in like creating a farming system yeah, it's cool yeah i think there's just a lot of like systematic factors to it and like when you look at like sort of agriculture as a system it right. seems like so meaningful to like almost any part of culture right? yeah like it's, and it's everywhere and it's kind of like something that is very natural but at the same time very like consistent and sort of reliable which sort of makes it an interesting thing to play with in, in code because you can make something right that's inherently organic but also you know created by code yeah but also relies on technology too I mean, yeah i think yeah that was something that always interested me was like this idea that there was this thing that kind of bridged what we see as like our technological like culture now with like the ancient culture that, right you know, we, we've kind of learned a lot about in Galton. Yeah. Um, and so that was what really interested me, and I was kind of going towards it all of a sudden. Um, and it just, I basically just made this whole prototype without any connection to the music, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think we started ex- started experienced um, a lot of problems last semester because those things were so, like, apart all of a sudden, right? Like, we had this farming system, which was just a straight-up farming system. Right. Where, like, the, basically we were switching models over time right yeah um yeah. and like you had to plant seeds and do all the stuff and then um that was pretty disconnected from the music none of it was musical um and i think partially that was because i worked so much faster than some other people on the team but all the also like we just didn't design it that way we didn't like yeah we didn't really have this like map of things that we could kind of like refer reference and then be like well this doesn't really add to the music which i think right. is kind of what i've been doing now yeah, yeah, like having to like understand exactly how everything's going to relate to one another, like from the beginning, is really right. important, but almost impossible to know at yeah. that point. And I think the the problem was we were we were attempting some stuff that was wait, a bit a bit beyond us still, and we were being pushed to call it something that wasn't a prototype. When I think it still was. When I look back at last semester, even the final product we ended up with, I still see it as like a prototype to what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's useful to look at it that way. It's like yeah. useful to, to continue experimenting before, before until you're satisfied really. Cause we were just right. kind of doing it based on this, like the class or a production schedule that wasn't attached to the product really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just recently had like a faculty critique 
um, where a bunch of people came in from the administration and like played our games. And of course, all the faculty members are like pretty well reputed game designers in their right. own right, which for me is always like a very fraught experience. Where I just, I just at least personally get really anxious about it because I want people to like my shit. I guess. Yeah. Um, how did that? How did that go? I feel like we haven't gotten a chance to to talk about yeah. that recently. So I, for me, the first time it was more like. They were like, this is cool. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of get it. It's musical, but right. I can't tell what I'm really doing in the game yet. Yeah. And I think part of that is just I didn't have structure yet. Another part was that it was pretty hard to use at the time. There was a lot of like interaction issues, I guess. Um, th this last uh, milestone, though, I think I've cleared up a bit of those issues mm -hmm. and I've kind of fixed up the structure in such a way that it's now just this open explorative game where right. you kind of start from the center of the map and you can go to any of these different musical regions. Yeah, because last time it was still that sort of procedurally generated larger scale map. The, la the last milestone, it was just like this, but more almost like a linear structure. Okay. There was almost some puzzle elements too. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally scrapped the sort of farming the actual farming mechanics for the player. Now mm -hmm. there's like really none left. And the, the main growth mechanism is there's this machine at the center of the map that shoots out rain clouds. And when it goes over a plant, um, the plant just poops and it's fully grown. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a little slapping and then it just grows. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always like a big proponent of like rain in games in mm -hmm. general, or like just dynamic weather and lighting <laughs> effects period, because yeah. it, it just makes, like, you can reuse so much of, like, the same content if you just right. light it a little bit differently. That's kind of, yeah, I mean, we had made this rain effect actually last semester, but it, we didn't really use it that well then. Um, and now, it, like, it was very useful. And, I mean, I, I, we've been thinking of trying something like the kind of Proteus rain, where it's, like, it's a little right. musical um, yeah. dribbling thing that would move around. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're going towards now, is, like, basically just turning everything into the game into a musical thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, when, I think Frank and Charles Pratt played the game, and they they both like thought it lo looked better, it sounded better, but they were they were still like really pushing towards like finishing the game on time for the semester right, and like right. having the game be very playable. So like whoever plays it just really likes it immediately. Yeah, doing like game feel stuff, and I think that's all important. But I just like they almost always don't seem to trust that the developers at the school will be able like, to build the systems right, that they want to working on. That. Right, or yeah. not even that, but like even that, like I could, I mean, I personally think I could finish the stuff I want to build in the next month, and then spend like the next the month after that just doing usability and like I'd right. be done. Okay. Um, but I, I think they just don't seem to believe that it's all doable. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I know that like scope creep is a huge thing. Yeah. For students especially, but I think after working on the project for a year, I kind of I have this idea of like what is fundamentally part of the game now and it seems like I, I can I know where I'm going to be straying for that and when I'm not yeah um, yeah and you definitely also like built up a certain amount of momentum in terms of like being able to add and change things pretty quickly because right. you've been in it for so long mm -hmm. which is honestly like probably my favorite part about making a game like for me I really enjoy like the very very beginning of like the game design process where you're creating the ideas and sort of laying on the framework and getting really excited about what you're about to make and then about like two-thirds of the way through right i really like it again everything else in between yeah. kind of sucks for me but like once you have a framework to, to work off mm -hmm. of and right. you can tweak things and, well, and add things relatively I, easily i recently came to this kind of um like realization i guess more as a programmer but also as a designer i think of sort of how i think games are actually made now and i think um Partially this comes from just like learning how abstract scripts works in, mm. in, um, in C-sharp and in Unity, I guess. But um, I mean, half of this game is now structured in such a way that like there's literally like an abstract class for each sort of main object in the game, right? So for an NPC, an on-player character, there's a script that I can take and write like another few functions on to change it to a specific thing. Right. And that that's the whole thing. I don't need to rewrite that whole thing. Mm -hmm. I basically have that fundamentally built. Right. Um, and I, once I kind of realized that I could do that for all the sort of major parts of the game, mm -hmm. I, I was like, I, I, I sort of like, it, it all kind of made sense to me then. Cause mm -hmm. I was like all the stuff I had been kind of fiddling with and like um, prototyping up until then, like actually came out into like, I have like a bunch of separate things, right? Like, 
I have wind as rhythm. I have like these drums that produce rhythm. But then I have a script that takes what is common in both of those elements, puts them together, and then pulls it out of the other ones, right? right. So the individuals kind of inherit from this larger thing. And then um, I can basically like, now if I wanted to add a new rhythm, right? Like if I wanted to add a little river with waves in it, that yeah. would, like the waves would play in instruments, right? I could easily do that in like probably five, 10 minutes. Right, yeah. Um, and that to me is like, that. that's like the, the thing I was kind of working towards. And I think, I don't think I have like a, favorite moment i guess I, I really like the prototyping stage because i like the freedom of it mm -hmm. and i like i like being able to kind of do anything and not worry about it being right or right. correct yeah um, yeah and i do think that it definitely gets to a trudging point like for me right before i got to the point where i was sort of abstracting everything mm -hmm. um even at that, that point it's it is really a, a trudge to get through but i think that after this point once these systems are built yeah then it's just like producing a bunch of content in those systems. Yeah, and yeah. like that's what I'm excited for. Exactly. So I've basically just been doing a bunch of heavy lifting. Yeah. And like afterwards, I get to do like some cardio or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Well, um, where can people play your current games, and where will they be able to play this in the, in the future? Um, so I have an itch.io account. Um, it's also the Static Man. Um, and I have a lot of other games on there. Uh, we have an old version of Stereo Fighter link to that as well as I think I'll be uploading a new one probably in the next few weeks. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. selling Livalittles, whole chicken breast for dogs and cats. We love them, we love them, we all eat them. No one else can watch, but I eat them. So this is the part where we talk about the games we've been playing. I, uh, being me, haven't really played many games because I am horrible to myself and end up working more than I should. But yeah. I, I, um, I did fun things yesterday. I went out to a, a bar and played some board games, played Code Names, okay. which is like I've played that that game sober. But when you're a little bit tipsy, boy howdy, really yeah. it's it's really fun, but also way harder because at least for me, my like brain expands a little bit and I'm like making really abstract connections in my head which that game right. is all about it's like how do I relate the word dress to like kangaroo and like say one word that you can then you know correlate those two together because I said the word like jack or something right. like that um and so yeah, yeah it, was, it was really it was really hard that's the type of social game that's like less like the game is basically just giving you the material for you to make your own game yeah where you're not actually like you're not really even playing a game at that point. Like, the cards just, like, direct you yeah. to, like, make this other social game on top of it. Yeah, it's a really interesting, like, psychological experience, especially because it's so bent on who you're playing with. You know, like, if you don't know the other person, it's going to be so hard. But if you're really familiar with them, it, it can be, like, really interesting. Um, because there's always, like, the idea that are these two words related yeah. because they're mm -hmm. unrelated? Like, if I right. say, like, uh, um, like curve and the words like line and bell are like on the same on the same plateau like can I can I pick those out because you said one the same word even if mm -hmm. there are other words that might be misleading like pie or you know other kinds of math related things so yeah I mean the other element is like if you do know someone very well like you you have these sort of like inside jokes or mem shared memories yeah. that might just be like completely arbitrary linkages that someone else might not understand. Yeah. But like, or even like, I mean, that, I feel like that happens with things too, like outside of that too, like just like 
like almost like sounds that you both remember that are really funny mm-hmm. or like something that just like these kind of like sensational things that like you can't really like like it, it may be very difficult to play the game with someone you don't know because like the kind of like shared notions that are like outside of just like the the private sphere right are yeah. like too hard to guess like yeah too general. that too yeah like your entire your entire like cultural history and like familiarity yeah. with the universe is so fundamentally different from each other right um that's i think basically all i played i also played i play tested um one of josh bonus's new games it was really weird because sure. uh it's called well so he he was playtesting two different versions of this game that he made with uh his team bumble bear games mm-hmm. at the chic hydro game jam which was like a sponsored game jam <laughs> that Schick just decided to host and like paid developers to go to. Like he got paid to go to a game jam. It's weird. Like how That's sick is weird. that? Uh, and made this game that was either called uh, like Mono a Mono or uh, like Kill Monkey Kill or something like that. <laughs> and it's an interesting game because it's sort of like Killer Queen in that you the fundamental like objective is to get your like your gorillas into this one central like uh, temple basically and once you get like you know eight gorillas in there you win and you can control like the rate that they spawn at by like capturing other sort of spawners which is very similar to killer queen yeah it is. but it had this weird sort of um i don't know if you played hokra no uh so it's like this twin stick kind of control scheme where on the left thumbstick you're controlling your like monkeys which are like these swordsmen that you can like spawn a lot of relatively quickly. And when you move the left stick, all of them will move simultaneously, no matter where they are on the map. Wow. And it's like just one top-down perspective of the whole game map. And then on your right thumbstick, you move all of your um, gorillas. And so you're trying to like not... And there's friendly fire too, so you can just kill all of your own dudes by accident <laughs> if you just like run over them with your swords because they're just swinging nonstop. <laughs> and it's just like this cha- super chaotic experience yeah. of like trying to kill the other opponents so they don't get any of the spawners and so they don't like get any of their apes into the into the tomb or whatever and you're trying to like you know sort of guide your own monkeys around and stuff and it's just oh god it was like such it like hurt my brain so much but like since you're playing against another person who's doing the same thing it kind of works because it's balanced in that way it was it was intense it seems like it takes then like this this really simple mechanic but like turns it on its head by adding another simple mechanic that's in contrast with that Right. A little like, bit, yeah. And then by having two players doing that and like managing that, also just like a large number of game elements that are yeah. following the same kind yeah, of command. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and like, it would have been just disorienting, I guess. It would have been totally different if I was just controlling the swordsman and like I had another teammate who was just controlling the like uh, gorillas or whatever, and we could like guide each other that way. But since you're right. having to like do so many things at the same time, it's just insane. Right. Um, so that yeah, was that was cool. that was pretty fun. I think, I think, and so the other control scheme that they were sort of testing that night was that um, I'm trying to remember how it worked, but it was basically you control only one faction at a time, uh, and you press like A to switch between the two. So it's like uh, I just want to move my swordsmen, and I'm moving them, and I'm placing them, and I'm killing your dudes, and then I have a moment, so I tap A and switch to my gorillas, and now I'm like going for the score and getting the points and stuff like that. Right. Which was just like a very like a surprisingly different game just based on how it, the, like the controls yeah. worked because it was much more deliberate, much more like almost turn based. Right, that's like basically just A/B testing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and then like the other weird thing was he was asking, like, how do you um, like which did you prefer? Mm-hmm. And I kind of preferred the first one because it was more frenetic and it was like faster, and the game was pretty simple, so it like makes more sense for it to be like kind of chaotic. Right. But that was also the first one I played. Yeah. So now he has to like get new playtesters to playtest it in the opposite order where he played right. the turn-based one and then the, yeah. the chaotic one. I, I do think, though, it's like... It depends what he's trying to get out of it because it seems like like it's it's not a game that be, would be like going for any like narrative meaning out of those changes. No. It's obviously yeah, just a mechanical not. thing. Yeah. And it seems like at that point it's like, well, do they want it to be more chaotic or not? Like, because mm-hmm. it seems like if they went with the other route, like they could make a more strategic game. Yeah, yeah, that's but, definitely that's definitely the difference. But I, like, it's also like a game jam game that he right. expressly stated, like the only thing we're testing for are the controls. We, we are not doing anything more of this game. Like, mm-hmm. We're just, it's done for us. Um, and I like basically I just said like I prefer the first one, which was more chaotic because, like, the context that people are going to play this in probably is a pretty limited sense. Like, it's going to be at 
the game awards i think it seems more memorable that way and it's much more memorable it's yeah. much more fun it's like that mo- crazy monkey game where it was like swords everywhere and i killed all my own dudes but i won still it was crazy yeah, yeah. for sure yeah i mean i think because the, the other choice would make it seem like they're going to keep building from there because it seems like almost more limited that way right yeah so yeah, i don't know if they have this online anywhere but it's made by bumblebear games mm-hmm. i'm sure they have something on it somewhere um what have uh what have you been playing so i've been playing a handful of games the past week um i bought um this new amanita design game called chuchel which is like a i recognize none of those words um (laughs) amanita design made samarost um machinarium and batamake they're all adventure games very like oh oh like are they like dutch or or something they're they're like eastern european i think right okay check i don't know i honestly don't remember okay but um it doesn't end up really mattering because in the games, like, there's no text, mm-hmm. um, and like, all the characters speak through like gestures and little images and sounds. Right. Um, sound design's always really good. The visual design's always really good, and like the worlds are just like so enveloping. Honestly, huh. like, um, Chuchel is m- much less of like a, a straight up adventure game, and is almost like a bunch of little on screen puzzles. It seems like they made it with with the intention of basically making money in between Sam Ross 3, which was their last big release, and right. another game. Oh, uh, they just need to, like, make something yeah. that turn profit. I, I would say, though, that it still, like, has the same character as other games, and mm-hmm. still, like, has a lot of um, interesting ideas, even, like, with it being this game that seems, like, less less of, like, grand in scope. Right. right. Um, and and basically, like, for example, one of one of the, the puzzles we were working on yesterday is actually this, like... Um, you, you basically fall on this... The, the, the main part of the game is that Chuchel is this little character trying to get his cherry, and it keeps getting stolen. Basically, oh, no, a, a big hand will come down and take it. Oh, that's so and neat. So there's a bunch of different scenes, and you can go to any of them at once, right? Um, and the, anyway, the, the puzzle we're working on is this one where you, you fall in this little scene, and the, the cherry is stuck under this cage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an assortment of objects. There's a radio here. Um, and then on the other side of the, the room, there's a shower. Mm-hmm. And then there's a mirror with two hats on it. Um, Chuchel wears his own hat as well. So you kind of just like start playing around with stuff. You, you, you could become accustomed to just like touching everything and mm-hmm. figuring it out. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I remember I, I tr- tried putting on the hat, one of the hats, and basically it like switched all the objects in the scene and the reality almost like looked different. Oh, wow. Um, what so do you mean by like switched? It, all the objects just that were in the screen like spatially changed to something else, right? So oh, okay. Where, where the cage was, there was actually now a, a cactus with, like, a spiky cherry on his head. <laughs> and then, like, there was a mushroom next to him and then, oh, wow. um, like, a button on the wall. Huh. And so I, I remember, like, I was like, okay. And then I just, like, went back to the, the normal reality with Chucho's actual hat. Right. Um, and I played with the shower. He, like, drinks all the water. And then, like, he has to pee, basically. So you're like, what? Okay. What? And then, like, I remember... Um, I just started peeing on different things. <laughs> and so like I ended up going back to the one with the, the cactus and the mushroom and I peed on the mushroom. Uh-huh. The mushroom grows and then it's like a full <laughs> stalk. Um, and then you can actually lick the mushroom and he starts tripping. Um, what? And like that's something in wow. every Amanita game there's just a scene where there's like psychedelic mushrooms because that's kind of like, I think that's just one of their things. There's always psychedelic mushrooms in the game. Right. Um, Sam Ross does a psychedelic mushroom and so is I think Amanita mushrooms there is a type of them that is are they like hidden like is it kind of like a sort of like pseudo easter egg or sometimes it's an easter egg sometimes it's like just part of the plot like i think in botanicula you're a bunch of little plants and mm-hmm. um there's a scene where you encounter a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms and you start tripping and then that's when you first are, are exposed to the conflict in the game which is like there's like this big like dark orb thing that's like mm-hmm. corrupting the tree that you live on right um so it it, it almost seems like they generally use it at the beginning mm-hmm. of a game, almost as if the game is a trip in itself. Oh, like, okay. Um, the the long, longer adventures are kind of like that, I think. And I think it's meant to be like that, like as if you're like being taken in this other world. Right. Like, that's kind of like, not only is it like throwing a reference to that, but it's also like a sort of philosophy buried in that, I think, huh. which is like that like this is another world that's like very relevant in some way. Sure, um, yeah, and almost like just as real yeah. in different ways. So do, how did did you did you get his cherry? Were you able to like, <laughs> yeah, solve it after you, you after the that, mushroom that you grew by peeing on it? <laughs> yeah, after that, I think I don't, I don't remember what you had to do, but there was some something you had to do that 
made the cactus or something. Oh, you, you go back to the other reality after you water the mushroom. Right. You turn, you turn on the radio, and then you go back to that reality, and then the cactus is dancing. Oh, okay. Um, and when he does that, he drops his cherry, uh-huh. and you return once again, and then the cherry is like, you can just pick it up. Oh, okay. So it had fallen out of the, the cage that it was under. Right, but you have to go to the reality where it's not the spiky cherry anymore. Yeah, and it's just a normal it one. It's outside of the cage. You can grab right. it. Wow, what a wild puzzle yeah, game. Yeah, that's just a, a little scene. I mean, it doesn't take very long to play anyway. Right. It's like, there's a few possibilities because there's so many, there's just a number of things on screen, right? Yeah. But, but it still feels like really dense. Like, there's just so many yeah. different ways to interact with the world. Right. And I mean, it, it, it kind of tells you what to do almost mm-hmm. when you click on stuff. And I think it gives you a lot of hints by doing that, um, which I, in general, our games don't do. I think um, Samurai 3 particularly is really good at not like just giving away all the answers um, and right. actually making you really listen to things and pay yeah. attention. Yeah. But um, I guess those games are also kind of like bent around the idea that you're going to have to poke them a lot, yeah, basically. For sure. So um, they can get away with making things a little bit more yeah. obscure. I'd say that the. The adventure game genre, like, is very... They, they really adhere to the tropes until Sam Ross 3, and I think Botanica kind of strays from them. But that game is, like, much less about picking up items than most adventure games. You get basically one item, hmm. and then you use that to interact with everything else. Okay, um, okay. So I found that it still has some of those seemingly arbitrary puzzles where you got to just click on a lot of stuff, but um, the game was definitely better at, like, not making you do that all the time. Right. Um, cool. Besides that, I've been playing, um, what's it called? We were just playing this earlier, Rhyme, which is like a 3D puzzle platformer, basically. Right, and you said it's like free on PlayStation Plus for March. Yeah, nice. it's from Tequila Softworks, which is, I guess, a Madrid-based studio. Oh, yeah, I've actually, I actually have heard of them, now, yeah. that, now that you say it again. Yeah, they, they made this other VR project that maybe you heard of that. It was like this weird sort of similar, they probably reused assets, honestly. It was like a an island puzzle mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Um that had to do with the sun's rotation in VR. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I, I might recognize, but I definitely haven't played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're pretty interesting. I, I didn't realize that. I rhyme was kind of so dense. It it's much longer than I thought it would be. I thought it would be like a two hour experience and more like peaceful, I guess. Right. Um, and it seems like that at first, but then. But it's another kind of like one of these sort of games that you have to sort of interact with in a lot yeah. in like creative ways to unlock new right. sorts of areas yeah i mean there, there's no text or language in it either um and i found that like i, I was saying this earlier but it basically you you feel kind of like you're getting lost all the time right but you're still kind of progressing this weirdly linear way yeah you're kind of just like falling down the rabbit hole yeah almost yeah all, all the time though yeah. and it's like huh. um it, it is a bit fast-paced in a sense i i feel like the, it's a type of game that probably didn't need to be that fast-paced but a lot of these studios probably feel pressured to do that to keep players interested yeah no i totally i totally relate with that because that was like in our build for zapper for the critique it was like yeah. i because the, the whole thing of that game is like presenting itself in a misleading way but like you don't want to do that too long so people right. don't just straight up leave before they get to the interesting yeah. thing so it's like just takes a lot of tuning and testing exactly. i guess with like new people like you need I think somebody, I heard someone call them like Kleenex tests where like you just, this once this person plays this thing, they can't really play it again and get like an honest read anymore because they know what the, the twist is, so twist. it doesn't work. Yeah, I've had the same problem with Stereophytics. I think a lot of people either want it to be a music toy where I'm not imposing anything on you at all. Right. Or are like, what's the goal of this game? Yeah. Like they sit down yeah. to play test and I'm like, um, just run around and you'll <laughs> find out, I guess. Yeah. People generally like will, but... I still feel like I should put something in there to create more of like a a long term goal or narrative or something, but I don't I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I need Yeah, that. I mean it's like kinda like the Minecraft problem, right? Like they made this really robust game that you could do a lot of stuff in and yet for some reason people are still like, Well what's the point? Like what do I do? Like to this like day creative mode, basically. I still get people asking me, like, what are you supposed to do in Minecraft? I'm like, You j- have you never played with Legos before? Like how is this a question? Right, exactly. Just play. Yeah, and I think I, I think Brian, though, particularly, it seemed at first really didn't want to do that. And then, I mean, I, I think I think maybe it was just slow to introduce itself as a puzzle game, so mm-hmm. I got this impression that it would be kind of like this peaceful, explorative thing. Right. Um, but once it became that, then like I was like, okay, it's a puzzle game, right? And then I get to this sort of like, I, I maneuver some stuff on the island, you do a bunch of puzzles, you find this puzzle where you can move like this golden orb and that changes the rotation of the sun and like hmm. the the puzzle language is honestly very good like you 
I remember almost every time I saw an element for the second time, I remembered immediately like what it meant. Yeah. Even though there's like okay. a few keys, um, like to actually press, but um, constantly you're using your voice to sing to stuff actually, and like mm. a lot of times you're basically pushing objects around, looking at them in different perspectives, and then you know continuing to do that. Um, so they play with light a lot, but then. Once, like, I mean, I was used to that being, like, the game. Right. And then you get to this part where the second time you find this golden orb, um, this giant bird creature just flies out of nowhere. It's, like, looks disgusting and, mm -hmm. like, takes the orb and flies into oh, no. its nest. Huh. Um, then the sun is, like, gone. There's a lot of heat everywhere. And the next moment you, you go into this open, new open area, um, as long as you're in the sunlight, this creature is, like, going to fly down and try to get you, basically. Okay, so you have to, like, stick to the shadows. Yeah, so it becomes, like, this weird, like, like stealth, stealth like, thing. Oh, weird. Yeah, and then huh. you're basically, you see these paintings on the walls in the next place you're kind of signposted, and it tells you, basically, like, um, it, it almost shows you a picture of, like, this storm shooting lightning at the bird. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do that. to get it struck by lightning. Right, and so that's kind of what you do. You go to these different windmills, and you unplug them almost and huh. you the like darkness comes out and will attack the bird um and i almost thought that they were going to be building towards this like shadow of colossus um like twist where you're kind of like this evil figure destroying right. like destroying the whole world yeah but also you're a kid and like you're following like this little tiny fox creature right who's kind of telling you to do stuff and i just like i i honestly yeah. don't know what's going on in the game narratively at this point i think it's because um, the, the new area after the bird part where you like kind of defeat the bird mm -hmm. um, all these like shadow creatures pop up but then you just end up in this like forest area with like green yeah. green growing out of all the ruins and it's like yeah. completely different so it's I'm totally like, all over the place huh. I'm not really sure what the direction of it is I mean it, maybe they'll somehow bring it back together there are these parts where it seems like you you, you look through something and then you see like a flashback of something and okay. it seems to this flashback and seems so to be kind of the growing. flashbacks are building on so, each other. Yeah, but I, I still don't really know what they mean. Um, right. And since the kid woke up on this island at the beginning, and the flashbacks seem to have something to do with her crashed ship, I'm thinking they're going to relate. Okay. Um, but I still don't see how it's going to bridge together all the stuff that's happened. It's actually on this island. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And the, the the shape of the island has changed constantly. I don't think I'm even oh. in the same place. Because <laughs> um, like the, the original island, like. <laughs> I, I totally, I think I explored most of it before finding the bird creature, which changes everything. Wow. So huh. I, I really, I mean, I'm enjoying the experience. I just, right. I don't know what I'm supposed to take from it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. That almost actually reminds me of this one uh, tale in the Arabian Nights, um, which is about, I guess it's one of Sinbad's adventures mm. where he's on this island, or I guess, I guess they play with like the rook, which is like this giant bird a lot. Um, but there's this one adventure of Sinbad's where he ends up on this, like, he gets washed up on shore, and he's in this valley of diamonds, and he's like, oh, like, there's tons of loot everywhere, this yeah. is great. And then, all of a sudden, he realizes that there are also, like, giant snakes everywhere, and, like, these giant birds that are just, like, swooping down and, like, killing the snakes, and now he's in, like, tons of danger, but he's already, like, scooped up a bunch of diamonds, and then, all of a sudden, like, a giant sheep just, like, lands, like, right next to him, huge, like, splatter of, like, gore and everything, <laughs> and... Like a few beats later, a giant bird like swoops in and picks it up and like disappears with it and flies off. And Sinbad's like, "What the hell is going on right now?" And so he like takes cover and then waits for like another like sheep to land. He's like, "Where the hell are these sheep coming from?" But like the only way out of here I can see is to like run up to the sheep, grab on, and then when he does that, a giant bird swoops, takes him up to the mountain, and like drops the sheep in like its nest or whatever, and then flies back off. And he like runs away yeah. and like goes around the mountain and finds a bunch of dudes with the giant slingshot basically launching like gorge sheep, sheep into the valley and what they do is they do the basically like they saw what he was seeing and they go to the sheep that the bird has taken up the mountain and pluck off all the diamonds that had like stuck to it when it landed in the valley and that's how like they make their money <laughs> and so Sinbad's just like loaded down with diamonds so he's like we can go like you guys don't have to do this anymore right now <laughs> And then they like take him back to their civilization. A bunch of other it's stuff crazy. happens afterwards. But it's like that really it does sound like a game system when you describe it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, it's like you observe the different pieces and you're like, all right, well, this is the thing that I need to do. Right. Like, right. Because th that's honestly how I felt when playing the game, though. It's like, all right, well, this bird creature is now flying around. Now I have to like find this one symbol over here and like activate it and mm -hmm. do this. And like, but uh, there, there's no one 
like explaining it, you're kind of like there is a survival instinct almost there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I'm as I was reading that that book, I was like, I guess like once you start making games, you kind of like start to see them like all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there are so many like good instances, instances, especially like Sinbad, because his adventures are just like all over the place, but yeah. like still like well contained and like tight little stories. We should make a Sinbad game. Oh, that would be sick. I don't think anyone did, but there was the Sinbad like Disney movie. Oh god, that wasn't very good though. I think it was. A, I think it might have been DreamWorks. Wasn't? Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. It being animated though, like not three D. Yeah, there. Yeah, it was, and I think I believe, uh, um, what's his face, Brad Pitt, might have been it's in the there involved in some of it, and it also like came out in like the early two thousands, so the U S was like very not about like going to the Middle East in in their media. Yeah. So they had to, I think they moved it actually to Greece or something like that. Um, yeah, very fraught history with Sinbad in American yeah, culture. for sure. Um, but it could be a really interesting game as long as you, uh, you know, depict <laughs> depict his world accurately. Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, honestly, like, it reminds me of, like, what Assassin's Creed has been doing lately, which is yeah. just, like, jumping all over the world. Yeah. And somehow managing to, like, bring their game systems everywhere. Yeah. Which, I guess most of these big games are kind of doing in some way now. Yeah, like know? Far Cry is sort of doing the same thing. Yeah. I guess they're both like Ubisoft games. Yeah, a lot of Ubisoft games are trying to do that, but I think I think other game series are too. I mean, it seemed almost like, um, I mean, Metal Gear Solid kind of did that in the last game. Right. Jumping to a new like setting. Um, it, it's an interesting way of like taking a, a game system that works well enough and sells and then just like basically feeding settings into it yeah <laughs> yeah and like figuring out what you can do with it right because they're at the place where they have something that works and it's just like yeah. now they get to have fun with it you know i mean I, i'm assuming they just copy paste code at this point and like i, I would be like, like the turnaround on some of this yeah, yeah it must be something like that um there's no way otherwise yeah i mean that's kind of like the interesting thing around games as a service where like at what point would is would you just like buy assassin's creed like one time or like mm-hmm. buy call of duty one time and then it's just non-stop content over the right. course of like a few years that maybe you like pay to download or something like that i just well so i mean i thought about that too and i've wondered like to get to that point they have to stop moving the technology basically and, yeah that's true and that would mean that we they'd have developed like a game engine that produces games which look like um indistinguishable from reality which is like yeah not yeah yet. but i also feel like people are kind of forgiving about that i mean maybe it needs to be a little bit stylized i mean look at yeah, grand theft auto 5 is like the current like forerunner for this and which is, makes me really curious about what they're going to do with red dead redemption 2 like because right. obviously they've made so much money off of gta 5 with all the expansions and stuff like they i'd be yeah. shocked if they didn't try and do the same thing with i'm red sure dead. They'll, they'll port that that sort of like online multiplayer system to red dead in such a way that like It'll just be roaming around the deserts with like hundreds of players or something. Yeah, yeah. But I think this that new style of design is sort of conducive to the new platform iteration that we're seeing, where it's like, well, okay, we're not going to put out like a PS5. We're just going to put out a PS4 Pro. So now you can like get slightly better like power on this thing, but it's still like basically the same hardware. Right. And then maybe you know more games will be made for that. And so if you have just a normal PS4, it won't look quite the same, but you can run it. You know. Yeah. I mean, I actually I had a dream over the summer that was like. I was playing, or I was, like, showing my dad um, a Battlefield game, like, like Star Wars Battlefront kind of right. style game, like, 20 years from now or something, <laughs> and I was like, look at this, and, like, there's <laughs> just, sick. like, it was just, like, the, a new EA game, but, like, literally, like, branded itself as, like, three years of content, and just, like, oh, wow. like, it was, like, a whole planet where you could, like, drop in at any point, and then just, like, participate in a huge battle, huh. like, there were just hundreds of other players, right. and I was like, is this was this just a dream of like what's actually gonna happen yeah i I assume like yeah at some point it seems like these huge games could just be running like one mega server yeah interconnected or something yeah and then like hundreds of players on like a you could just roam the different battlefields and like continue like die and pop up somewhere else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean like without even a menu structure yeah and i think that's that's the the goal for a lot of people i mean that's what for some reason the like twelve person team at Hello Games was trying to go for with No Man's Sky, where they're yeah. just like, this world is like continuous and like you can go literally wherever, planet to planet, do whatever you want, um, and like you can kind of interact with other players within it, but not really. And the way they like, I don't know how much of it was that studio specifically spinning it out, or how, and how much of it was Sony. I think it was kind of yeah. a little bit more Sony, to be honest. Um, oh, but mean, like, 
that's like that's the dream like regardless of what they were saying yeah no absolutely absolutely but like regardless of like their execution the fact that it got that many people excited is like once that does become achievable like once that that dream is something that we can actually render it was going to be a interesting day i think so because it seems like i mean a lot of games are working towards it too it's like Mm -hmm. it's not something that's like seemingly impossible either it's just like because i mean if you look at how far like games have come in like just like the past 20 years like throughout our lifetimes like it's pretty much ridiculous like how different they yeah. look oh, at the it's least. like it's crazy like it's impossible to predict what games are going to be like in 10 years right. yeah and I, I mean i think the question is like w- more like what is the actual user experience in right. those di- changes and i mean i'd assume that these larger like ubisoft and ea games really won't change all that much like maybe they'll they'll put on this sort of face of being like these continuous experiences but like i mean battlefield's not really going to change formulaically all that much neither mm-hmm. is like battlefront or um assassin's creed or any of those types of games i mean i think they're they'll keep basically putting on different masks and like like yeah. parts of them will change and mm-hmm. i think the, the games are still good um and like I, I still respect most of the people who work on them yeah but it's just the team's become so large the the product is such a product at a certain point that it's yep. like yeah it's yeah. pretty hard to innovate right? yeah it's like that's why it's like i'm very curious to see uh what far cry 5 is, is like right. you know it's like they're they're hitting some really uh dicey narrative beats in, yeah. in that game you i've know? heard yeah like and it seems like people they, i mean i also saw people like i think it was a waypoint article mm-hmm. like austin walker had posted something where he was talking about um, this NPC he would follow around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's kind of the really interesting aspect cool. of those games yeah. for me. It's like, aside from just like emergent combat and gameplay, is like creating truly like emergent character progression in the mm-hmm. game. You know, where it's like it's not just that I will remember what happened in that one firefight I had, but like the person on the NPC I'm fighting next to will also remember that firefight. And I guess like yeah. in a manner similar to the Nemesis system or something, they yeah, like get affected similar. by that. So they'll like tell me about it right. later. It's like hey, wait, uh, remember the last time we tried to fight a bear with these weapons? Like, it didn't work out so well. Maybe we shouldn't, like, be trying to fight this thing right now, or maybe they'll just run away from the bear, right. period. I do wonder, though, if these games weren't so pressured to be so gigantic that a studio like that um, could like, basically take, take a very small yeah. small area. Like, imagine, like, a Far Cry game in, like, just one little town, right? Yeah. Not this whole map where there's a bunch of the towns that are the same, but one town where like the characters are the are the change over time not the environment you mm-hmm. know what i mean like mm-hmm. and like you could imagine that they would put so much more if they actually put all their time into it like the characters would probably be way more interesting yeah you know absolutely I mean? and like as much as austin walker was showing about like the companions that they had in that game like part of the charm was because of how like glitchy they were and yeah. how like they would just do like ridiculous things like they're trying to pick you up in this car but they end up like running over the other person yeah. you're playing with and then the car catches on fire and then they get out <laughs> and it explodes and it's just like yeah it's funny yeah but it you could imagine a version of that like or even like a game that's not combat based where like it's just like a handful of characters living in a small space in a city mm-hmm. like where mm-hmm. i mean almost night in the woods almost did this where it was like narratively they they developed the characters by having um having this kind of arc over time that changes and you know yeah. that the characters yeah. are in this one space yeah you can kind of choose how you're going to navigate that space right? right yeah i mean like the walking dead games do that to yeah. a certain extent and undertale i think is a really interesting version because it doesn't foreground that like you know it's not going to say like papyrus will remember that later right. <laughs> you so. know but I think the interesting thing, like, fusing it with something like combat as, like, you know, as much as we see combat in general, like, it's good to see other kinds of uh, systems of play. But because of the way it sort of exists is sort sort of chaotic and, like, physics-based. That, like, any you like as much as I would love to, like, pretend to be a good guy, like, maybe I just shot a rocket and it, like, missed and blew up, like, this <laughs> other explosives depot that ended up, like, murdering a bunch of people. Yeah. Now I feel like a terrible person and people think I am because I just murdered a bunch of people by accident. Right. Um yeah yeah but i mean even in that sense of like taking combat as like the the primary thing you're talking about right um it would be nice to see a game that like like actually deals with the sort of like thing that leads to combat in a society rather than like (laughs) yeah no for sure i mean so many games are like this is our faction and it's like this is our faction but it's like well where did the oppression part happen like yeah led to the faction right right? like because i want to what I want to see in a game is like, I mean, I don't 
like I don't have any like desire to see this just because I think it it'd be interesting, but I think because I think it would change the way people think sort of fundamentally about how these systems are created right. that actually like lead to combat. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've always wanted to see like a game that took just like a factory of like workers mm -hmm. and like led to a revolt basically. Like yeah. Some sort of like yeah. over time, like you're in the game, like you go to the factory each day and like the working conditions get worse. People are not allowed to work because there's not enough pickets to work with. Like, mm -hmm. and over time, like the game, like there's just more and more people outside and the system just like, like there's a riot, right? Like right. over time, the system leads to that. Yeah. Um, or like even in a city, there's like political unrest, and like what? How does that form um, into like like fighting with police or something, right? Like right. Yeah, that's that's true. I guess not a lot of games really do show you like the the calm before the storm. Like part of like what I really enjoy about good adventures in like films and books and things like that is because they do like spend a decent amount of time in like the you know the the early world or whatever right. before you like leave the, the familiar and i guess like the the zelda games do that to a certain extent yeah, but like sure. in a game I, you could see that happening where all of a sudden like you know several hours after like the revolts happened and you're basically just playing like a sort of combat game like you're thinking about the beginning and you're like wow that feels like forever ago right because it was an almost an entirely different game yeah you exactly know? Um, and i think that's important though because i think the transition from from like labor or from like daily work life yeah to like a person actually willing to like get like to move from that point in mm -hmm. their life to like so sacrifice themselves for like like the next generation basically like yeah. it's huh. basically like that's something that just doesn't really get explored in a game because you don't have the ability to see that in the mechanics normally like yeah. you don't get the point where you have a daily life and then something bad happens and then you have to do yeah, that. Right? Yeah, which is weird because that's it's kind of understandable why. I mean, like, someone who wants fun. to play... Yeah, exactly. And someone... You're splitting your audience. Like, someone who wants to play Call of Duty is not going to want to play Cart Life. For sure. And right. someone who wants to play Cart Life probably doesn't really care that much about Call of Duty. You know? And exactly, like, yeah. But, like, if there was a way to, like, take maybe somewhat more similar kinds of genres and combine them in that way or something like yeah, that, that could be really interesting. The closest thing you almost see is, like, just games that are purely systematic, which like almost come from like survival or crafting right, games right. where you do all of these things at once but you're not really a character that's founded in a context yeah yeah and there's like less of a personal repercussion for your actions and those kinds right. of like forex games or whatever yeah but i think it's a really cool thing to explore and i think i do think more games are exploring it at least in different ways yeah you know? yeah um we won't probably see a triple a exploration <laughs> thing for a long time but yeah well not unless we make it <laughs> true all right, I think that's probably going to about do it. it for this week. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, if you if you stayed this long. Um, we'll be back next week uh, with Good Sweet Nick. Um, thanks, Cass, for yeah. being on. Thanks for having me. All right, have a good week, everybody. <laughs>